Hello there, I'm Barry Smith of Fingal Libraries, welcoming you back to another episode of Fingal Libraries' podcast of many things cultural and anything else that takes our fancy. Now, today, we shall look at something close to my heart, piracy. Not the crappy bootleg videotape recordings, but proper piracy, with ships, cutlasses, blunderbuss, and of course, eye patches and wily parrots. I used to think piracy was a rollicking good adventure, a great way to spend a day in the sun and see the world, or at least the ocean. But that only stands to reason when your only reference was Earl Flynn swinging on a rope from his ship to the ship of his unfortunate prey, firing off a few pistol shots with perfect accuracy and duelling effortlessly with several seasoned marines, all the while laughing a hearty laugh as the sun reflects off his brilliant white teeth. He didn't command through fear, no. He held the respect of his men through his daring, his striking good looks, and the ability to dress down and humiliate a defeated British sea captain with a barrage of quips, maritime puns, and general witty retorts. However, as I got older and began to read about the absolute barbarity of 18th century piracy, I quickly came to the realisation that Errol Flynn's portrayal of a pirate was altogether inaccurate, and that Hollywood had, yet again, lied to me. Regardless, either on screen or off, I don't believe that Errol Flynn should ever have been any sort of role model for a kid. Anyway, what have pirates got to do with Fingal? Well, I'm glad you asked. The answer is loads. Fingal's coastline, with its numerous natural harbours, has been used for trade for centuries. Many things have used Fingal's beautiful coastline as a springboard into this country. The Vikings, the plague, and King George IV whose dainty footprints were hewn into the harbour at Hoth in 1821. He would have put his hands on the harbour, but apparently he was too full to bend over, as during his voyage to Ireland he gorged himself on goose pies, plural, and washed it down with copious amounts of Irish whisky. He probably suspected that if he ventured down to the harbour stone, he might not be able to get back up. After a few weeks, he exited the country via Dunleary, On his way out, he thought he would gift the people a lasting memory of himself and renamed Dunleary Kingstown. It was indeed very thoughtful of him, but we changed it back in 1922. Thanks, but no thanks, Georgie. Anyway, during the medieval period, the mouth of the Liffey silted up and could no longer be used, so merchants had to move up the coast to Fingal to unload their shipments. Large volumes of maritime traffic allowed for plenty of opportunity for those willing to do an honest day's work and as such would have attracted employment into the area of Fingal. However, it also allowed for plenty of opportunity for those unwilling to do an honest day's work, and as such would have also attracted scoundrels into the area, both by land and sea. The harbours of Hoth, Baldoyle, Portran, Rush and Skerries became very lucrative for merchants as well as smugglers and pirates. By 1496, local government was complaining that Lambay Island was swarming with pirates and smugglers. This shows how potent a threat this group of chancers were, because in 1467, 30 years previous, a fort was built on Lambay to prevent pirates harbouring there. It clearly failed miserably, and only succeeded in giving the pirates a nice little fort of their own. Historically, once smuggling and piracy become established, it is extremely difficult for local authorities to dislodge it. It usually requires a considerable military effort to eradicate it. We're not talking about a few lads nicking some brandy on the sly here. We are talking about large and well-organised criminal gangs that had considerable manpower and resources. To demonstrate this, there was an incident at the Dramana Martello Tower in 1821 involving 300 men of ill repute, armed with muskets, pistols and pikes, who were intending to attack the crews of Rush and Loch 
The Dromana Martello Tower, which was built on an Iron Age promontory fort, was used as a base for the preventative water guard who were established to combat smuggling. Interestingly, they are still knocking around, although they are now known as the Irish Coast Guard. Theirs was not an easy or indeed a safe profession. When the preventative water guard or crown forces in general attempted to board suspect vessels, they were regularly fired upon and forced to give chase to smugglers, who took advantage of some of Fingal's narrow harbours where the ships of the crown were unable to navigate or indeed even fit. By the 18th century, piracy and smuggling was rife, especially in areas like Skerries and Rush. The pups had their fingers in everything and were smuggling the likes of tea, tobacco, wine, spirits and counterfeit money. After appropriating their goods, they would sail to Scotland, Spain, the Isle of Man and France. Before that, however, they would have to hide their cargo in any secret location they could think of. One such being the Smuggler's Cave that can still be visited in Skerries. However, if you can't get to it, there's a five-minute video on YouTube of some fella scrambling down it. When the locals in Skerries weren't smuggling or getting up to mischief, they had other pastimes, such as what was known as wrecking. This perfectly harmless pursuit could only be enjoyed on stormy nights. When one such night would arise, people would take their boats and head out into the fog, near some rocks with their lamps a-burning bright. From here, they would attract passing ships who would think that the lamp belonged to a friendly ship who was there to guide them through or around the dangerous rocks. But trust can be a terrible thing. The unsuspecting ship would be lured onto the rocks and founder. Founder is maritime speak for a ship knackering itself on a load of rocks and sinking. Whoever didn't drown was beaten to death and all their belongings as well as the ship's cargo was stolen. I am told that such practices have ceased in Skerries. However, I am a cautious individual so I still avoid the place during my nighttime pleasure cruises. There were some notable families who excelled at these illegal maritime activities, such as the Shields, Duffs, Brannigans and Grimes, all of whom, of course, are quite respectable now, we believe. But all ships did not need wreckers. Some were perfectly capable of dashing themselves against Fingal's rocky headlands. In 1306, we have a record of the Nicholas of Dune in Ulster, which was carrying wine, jewels, furs, wax and copper pots, being swept by a severe tempest onto the rocks off Port Marnock. A significant tragedy occurred in 1854, when a ship named the Taylor left Liverpool with 650 people on board, bound for a new life in Australia. She was a brand new vessel on her maiden voyage, but due to an incredible oversight, the hull was made of iron and it hindered and confused the compass, and the crew believing that they were sailing south were in fact heading west and ploughed straight into the rocks off Lambay Island. Nearly 400 people drowned. Now that's nothing to do with pirates, but it's a shocking enough event to warrant slipping in here. Should this or any other shipwreck pique your macabre curiosity, Head on over to archaeology.ie and there you can find their Wreck Viewer, which plots all known shipwrecks around Ireland for your morbid perusal. But back to the pirates. How did they get away with it all, you ask? Well, they used very fast boats called cutters. These were designed to outrun the customs and excise ships that were chasing them. And who were these citizens of Fingal who opted for a rascal's life? Well, one of the more colourful individuals was a lad named Luke Ryan. Luke was born in Rush in 1750, and as a young man, he joined Dillon's regiment in France. This was an Irish regiment that was in service to the French crown. But army life didn't suit Luke, so he returned to Rush and began to operate as a smuggler, and was active between Ireland and France. It was not long before Ryan became a privateer. 
Now, a privateer was a citizen or a private warship that was authorised by a king or government to attack foreign shipping. It was all perfectly legal as such, and the privateer carried what were known as letters of marque that essentially acted as their contract with their government, for a privateer without these letters was nothing more than a pirate and would be tried as such should he be caught. Privateering was an accepted part of naval warfare from the 16th to the 19th centuries and was authorised by all significant naval powers. It was a government's way of subcontracting out their wars to private citizens. There was no real loyalty involved with privateering and Irish pirates and smugglers would take letters of marque from the English as well as the French. In 1778, a ship named the Dublin that had previously been a smuggling vessel armed with 16 four-pounder cannons, was granted letters of marque by the English Crown. It was captained by John Harding from Loch Shinney and was manned by a crew of 150 men, most of whom were from North Fingal. Luke Ryan did likewise, initially at least. Turning his back on smuggling, he took an English letter of marque and had his ship fitted out at Sir John Rogerson's Quay. This was one of the reasons why someone would undertake such a dangerous contract. The government pimped your ride. They would give you new sails, cannons, muskets and maybe a few cases of rum, everything a growing crew needs to wage war. It really was the least the government could do, since they were sending you out to pick fights at sea with foreign ships on their behalf. So off Luke Ryan went to scourge French shipping, only he returned a year later having apparently sold the ship to the French. The authorities in Dublin were put out to say the least, and they arrested Ryan and the crew and impounded the ship. But long story short, they all escaped and sailed their ship back to Skerries, presumably to say hello to everyone as they hadn't seen them in ages, before they scarpered over to Dunkirk in France. Now at this time, 1779, the American War of Independence was in full swing. The French were doing their best to help the American colonies and generally thwart their age-old English foe however best they could. The French administered privateering out of Dunkirk and commissioned many ships for the Americans, which would harry British shipping. So Ryan and his crew were given American letters of marque and told to have at any British ships they could find. In his first month, Ryan captured eight ships, or prizes as they were known. These he brought back to France where they were sold and the money divided between the captain, crew, the ship owner, the investors and the French state itself took a wee cut. The following month he bagged 13 prizes, so you can see that he took to it with some enthusiasm. He became a serious danger to British shipping in the region and his name was well known and feared in the ports of England and Scotland. Ryan was so good that within a couple of years he had racked up 114 prizes. However, as it often does, his luck ran out and in 1781 he was captured. Although devastated, Ryan would have known that he would have been treated as a prisoner of war owing to his letters of marque. However, those same letters of marque were now defunct as the American colonies under Benjamin Franklin revoked all such letters from non-American nationals. Being out at sea, Ryan was none the wiser and continued what he thought was privateering, but because of his now redundant letters, he was legally speaking practising piracy without the backing of any government. Ryan had a lengthy trial and was sentenced to death, but pressure from the French government, amongst other things, granted Ryan a pardon. Not that it was any good to him, The French bank, where he kept his enormous fortune, had a rather uncharacteristic episode of greed, and they seized Ryan's account, amounting to £70,000, which was a colossal amount of money back then. It would be over £12 million today. Ryan tried to sue the bank, but he was never going to get anywhere. He died four years later, quite unceremoniously, in debtor's prison. 
Some of the other lads from Fingal did not fare any better, and several of them were sentenced to death by caging. Now, caging was a highly civilised method of execution in 18th century London. The individual was partially strangled, revived, and then chucked into a cage which was suspended over the River Thames. Just when they were beginning to enjoy the view, high tide would come in and the cage would be lowered and the individual drowned. Sorry, were you expecting a happy ending to the colourful life of a smuggler, privateer and pirate who took on the might of the British Merchant Navy? Well, rather than end on a happy note, we shall leave it there, to act as a cautionary tale, not to accept letters of mark from strange governments. It should be noted that all views and opinions expressed in this series are that of me and not of Fingal Libraries, although I imagine on the issue of piracy, both myself and Fingal Libraries are in agreement that it's not cool. I'm Barry Smith of Fingal Libraries, and I hope that you'll tune in next week for another thrilling episode. Slongafoil. So